that on? Okay. Amen. Well, it's an honor to be here with you this, uh, this Wednesday evening. And uh, if you would tonight, would you take your Bibles and please turn to the book of Mark in the fifth chapter, please. I'll give you what the, what's on our heart this evening. It's an honor and privilege to be with you. I'm glad my family is able to be with me tonight. I appreciate my wife. And uh, years ago, uh, early on in our, uh, when God saved me in 1998, and uh, saved me in an old-fashioned Congregational Methodist Church. And uh, I hope I don't throw cold water on nobody. I know y'all was looking at me and saying, what in the world? <laughs> I said old-fashioned. <laughs> and uh, old-fashioned. And, uh, but I got studying, we went off and God called us to preach there and a short, a short time thereafter, and I wasn't raised around church. I didn't know anything about church. I'd been to church twice when I was 19. That was it. And uh, God had, God saved me and changed my life and called me to preach. And, uh, and, and the Lord was in it. He led me to take and, and pastor an independent Methodist church in that area of Tennessee where we're from. We're from up what they would, would you would consider middle Tennessee between Chattanooga and Nashville area when you go across I-24 uh, across Mount Eagle Mountain, we're from up in that in that part of the country in the mountains there, and uh, but I took an independent Methodist church and and I hadn't been there probably about a year and a half and got real earnest about studying my Bible. I'm talking about earnest, just studying my Bible. I didn't have a, a big full blown library at that time. Didn't have you know just literally hundreds of books like we do now. Just got to study my Bible. Study my Bible, sit down the strong support it, study my Bible. And I come to the conclusion as the Lord opened our understanding that once you're saved, you're saved forever. Amen. Amen. I didn't learn that from a Sunday school class. Amen. I'd read the book, I'd get to reading in John when I first got saved. Is it all right if I take my time? Amen. I don't want, I don't want to kill y'all tonight. Somebody said, I don't care if I die, just don't drag me to death. I don't want to drag you to death. But, uh, and got studying through that Strong's Court. It's doing word studies and so on. And I tell you, got to looking at that, that word seal, talking about this thing about being sealed earlier. Got to looking at that throughout the Bible and the Old Testament typology. And, you know, no man could reverse the king's seal. And, and uh, you know, we're sealed the Holy Spirit in the day of redemption and so on. And, and just got to look at that. And I said, man, it looks to me like I'm saved forever. I'd get over in Matthew 24, he that endureth then, it booger me up. I didn't know I understand what he's talking about. Of course, I was taught, you know, well, you got to do this and this and this and this. And, this. and there's a line out there you can't cross. Nobody can tell you where that line's at. And this and that, you know, how much sin's too much sin. When are you lost? Why does God even chasing you if you're lost? And, and so on. And, and got to look at those things. And I, I got to look at that seal. I said, looks to me like I'm saved forever. I got to reading about in the book of John. Talked an awful lot about everlasting life and eternal life. Said, looks to me like I'm saved forever. Got to look at that chasing. I said, well, if I'm not a son no more, why does he chasing me? I said, no, it didn't make no sense. And uh, of course, we had to go before the, the church eventually. It just got to gnawing on me and weighing on me. And I said, man, we're wrong. We're wrong. And uh, what this church believes is wrong. And I was in the middle of that thing, you know, pastoring had to, And had called a men's meeting one Sunday night. Told them where I stood. And, and I'm going somewhere, if you'll stay with me. And I wasn't about 28, 29 years old. I was way younger back in those days. And I ain't just, I ain't in the grave yet, but I am 51, amen. 
And uh, I'm telling you, I stood in front of the men, told them, about 15, 20 men, all the men that was members of the church. And I said, I do not believe the way I did when I came here. And they said, what do you believe? The eldest deacon, he spoke up. Uh, the elder deacon, he said, what do you believe? I said, I believe once a man's saved, he's always saved, brother. Amen. I said, I, I, there's just no way around it. And, uh, and the first thing out of his mouth, he said, you gotta go. And that was the polite way of throwing me out of there. Are you listening to me? And uh, they did give me a going away dinner, praise the Lord. They, they let me stay about a month later and this and that, but I had to go. So, uh, but I, I tell you the truth's worth standing for. That's right. That's right. I want to say this about my wife and my four children. They're here tonight. I've got one in heaven and got my four that's here with us this evening. And uh, but my wife never did fight me. And she was raised out of that heritage. She had, I'm talking about old fighting. I hope this don't just, again, I'm talking about old fashioned uh, preachers in her family. I mean, men that love the Lord, but they was messed up on some doctrine. And, but they loved God. They, they went after souls. They'd throw up brush arbors and have 40 and 50 saved in a couple of weeks time or, and worked in the coal mines all day and worked through those, walked through those hills and hollers and putting cardboard in the bottom. Old brother Carl Haynes would put cardboard in the bottom of his shoes so he could walk to church and preach the gospel. Is anybody listening? Hey man, we're sitting around with cars and we get a hangnail in Caney and Cub. Right? I mean, man, I feel bad. I feel bad too. Amen. I mean, hey, I mean, my wife probably feels bad tonight, but it's good to be in the house of God. Hey, this is the best place that we could be tonight is here, gathered up in the house of the Lord, in the assembly of the saints, worshiping our Lord and praising our God and bringing him glory and honor. Goodly heritage, but she never fought me, preacher. Never fought me. She sat down, we cried many a tear over it. I mean, we was losing a lot of friends. We lost a lot of friendship. I'm talking about we lost them. Didn't know where to go, didn't know where to turn. I tried to visit a few Baptist churches, couldn't find nothing worth attending. I mean, either the wrong Bible or no missions mind. I mean, if they did have the right Bible, they were sitting around and didn't believe in missions. And I mean, I said, man, I gotta find some place to hang my hat. Then the Lord, amen, was so gracious. I don't know, you use Brother Jones, Brother James down here, Brother James Jones, he ever come through and preach for you? I wound up with Brother James Jones in Harriman, Tennessee for just a short time. And then he said, hey, he said, how far are you driving? I said, man, I'm having to drive two hours. I said, there's nothing in our area. And you, and you said, man, you're in Tennessee. I'm telling you, that part of Tennessee is weak. It's weak. Now, Brother Hudson, I didn't know he was up there in middle Tennessee, or I might have wound up there, up there with him. I didn't know him at the time. But I wound up there at Brother Jones for a short season and he said, you're passing by a good church and it'll cut an hour off your drive. He said, if God wants you here, he said, you need to stay here, but if God don't, uh, and he wasn't trying to build an empire for himself, he said, hey, but he said, Victory Baptist Church, Leland, Leland Frazier is the pastor there and he said, that probably, and when I walked, he said, that probably a good place for you to visit. And when I stepped through the doors, I knew I was home. Amen. I knew that's where I need to be. They wasn't no more wondering about it. Right? God got somebody say, well, I feel like God's wanting me to move. Well, uh, amen, I'll tell you one thing. If he wants you to move, he's going to tell you where to go. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Stay with me now. I mean, when God told Elijah to go down by the brook Cherith, it was there. 
It was right there. I mean, if he'd been 10 miles down the road, I mean, he'd have missed that bread and he'd have missed that stream. Hey, I'm telling you, friend, God has a way of leading his people into truth. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost of God that will guide us and help us and lead us. Hallelujah. Put a place in your heart and a place in your mind. I know my circumstance was a little different. And I'm telling you, God will lead you and guide you. Amen. And he ain't gonna lead you somewhere where they don't use a King James Bible. I don't know why in the world I'm trying to get to Mark chapter five, but somebody, hey, he ain't gonna lead you somewhere down there where they're using an NIV or an ESV or where they don't preach on the blood of Jesus or some sodomite occupies the pulpit. Hey, God ain't gonna lead you down that road. And it's amazing how much our people have turned. I mean, once upon a time, they'd never agree with sodomy or lesbianism or bestiality or transgenderism. But now when it gets in their family, all of a sudden everybody gets quiet. Nobody sees any wrong in I'm telling you, friend, if it was wrong then, it's wrong tonight. It's wrong tonight. It's wrong tonight. God help us. I tell you, old Shaman was over there and he stood for that patch of ground he had. Why he turned and everybody else was fleeing, he stood and guarded his patch. I'm assuming it was his patch. I don't think he was guarding somebody else, but I'm assuming it was his patch. He stood his ground when the Philistines come in and the Lord wrought a great victory right there. Amen. Paul told him even over there at Ephesus, he said, now listen, I'm going away. He said, I'm praying for you. He said, I'm gonna tell you after I'm gone now what's gonna happen. So you'd be surprised what a good man of God's presence will do, amen, and guarding you and your family and your children and your grandchildren. I'm telling you, and Paul said, "When when I leave here, grievous wolves are gonna try to creep in. Not everybody carries the King James Bible on their hands, God's man. Not everybody, hey, I mean, not everybody testifies about the blood of Jesus is saved by the grace of God. Hey, I'm telling you, there's a woman over there, the spirit of divination, in Acts chapter number 16, that said, well, these men be the most high God and show unto us the way of salvation. I'm telling you, she wasn't more saved than this pulpit tonight. Lost. God, help us to be careful, amen, in these days and hours. Man, Lord, help us tonight. Well, Mark in the fifth chapter, and I want to look down at verse number 18. I appreciate my family. I appreciate Brother Puckett. I appreciate the friendship the Lord's blessed us with. He's been such a help to me. And uh, I appreciate a man of God that'll stand. I tell you, we, we, we don't have the Elijah syndrome now that, uh, you know, we're the only ones in Tennessee or something like that. We, we know way better than that. God's got people all over the place just scattered about. I mean, they're everywhere. And, uh, but I got saved just like you did. I realized I was a sinner. I know I don't know nobody here but Brother Puckett met his wife over at Victory a time or two, but it just probably in passing. There's a lot of folks over there during those days of meeting. Everything seems busy. And, but a lot of people here I don't know. But I tell you, we got saved the same way. We realized we is lost. I mean, I like what Brother Allen used to say. He said, I quit asking people when they got saved. I started asking when they got under conviction. Amen. I'm telling you, I got sorry for my sin. I mean, I realized I was wicked on the way to hell and needed a savior until I got got willing, friend, to lay aside all those things that hung up my life. Hey, I, I couldn't get saved. I'll be honest with you. There was a time when I was 20 years old. I said, Lord, save me. I mean, wept a bucket of tears, left the church house that night. But hey, they was some th- I wanted some fire insurance, but I wasn't willing to give up some things. 
and I was still just as lost as I had ever been. But when I got 25 years old, I'm telling you, friend, hey, I said, I don't want this sin no more. I don't want this life no more. And I'm trying to run it myself. It's a mess. I can't do anything with it. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin, come into my life and change me. And I tell you, he did just that. Hallelujah. If you're saved, if you're saved tonight, you're saved the same, the same way as far as, amen, realizing you was lost. Our experiences are all different, and I understand that. I get that part. But I tell you, God's got to draw you. God's got to deal with your heart and woo you. Amen. Well, I'm trying to get at my soul in the morning. Brother. Mark chapter number five. I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I thank God for this good singing, the good spirit. And appreciate y'all accepting me and my family right on in this evening. Mark in the fifth chapter, verse number 18, for sake of time. The Bible said, and when he was come, into the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And if our historians are right, as far as the setting of the text is concerned, this Decapolis is known as a place of 10 cities. So there's a broad ministry lying in front of this dear soul, this dear precious man. And, uh, but God has told him to go back and publish how great things Jesus had done for him. And uh, I got to looking at that the other day and just studying on it and pondering on it and that, that, this little thought, the things that he hath done for him. Look at it with me, how great. Listen, when God does something in your life, it's not a small matter. It's not a little thing when God, amen, does something in your life. Somebody say, man, I wish we could see some miracles. This young man was testifying about being saved a year, a year ago. Hey, that was a miracle. That's a modern day miracle, friend, uh, to see somebody get born again, to see somebody saved by the good grace of God. Uh, God, I mean, he can do little things, but as far as the salvation in this man's life, as far as the things Jesus did for him, it's not a little matter tonight. It's a great matter, hallelujah. Oh, what great things he hath done for you and I. Hallelujah. I tell you, the devil would kill everybody in this room sitting here tonight if he could. I'm telling you. So I've heard that before. It don't matter if you have heard it before. He'd kill everybody sitting here tonight. I'm talking about you precious ladies. I ain't no telling what the devil would turn loose on you. The little children in here, I tell you, the devil would turn unthinkable things loose on them. I said, thank God tonight I've got a shepherd. Thank God for Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It ain't that he used to be my shepherd. And it ain't that he's gonna be my shepherd. He is my shepherd, hallelujah. He is my shepherd. Bless his name. All the pitfalls and snares and all the things that he protects us from. Oh my. Then we see that some of the things that he does do. And what about all those great things? He said, go back and publish how great in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Let's take just a moment for prayer and we'll try to get into this thought. Ask God to help us tonight. Heavenly Fathers, we bow 
again this evening, Lord. We thank you, Father, to be in this good place. And we thank you, Father, tonight for the Calvary Baptist Church. God, the souls that have been saved, the lives that have been changed. God, I'm reminded of Noah there, Lord. Oh, God, eight souls saved. The same preaching and staying faithful to the saving of his household. God, tonight, Lord, there's some sitting here tonight. God, no doubt there's many sitting here. And Lord, that we've all got lost family. God, we've got people in our homes and our lives and our neighbors and our co-workers. God, they need to be born again. They need to be saved. They need to be washed in thy precious blood. Father, I pray tonight somehow in some way, dear God, you give us a fresh glimpse of hope. Oh, God, a fresh vision anew and a right. Dear God, that these uh, families and our, myself and my family, dear God, we go back, oh Lord, and see sinners as they are. Help us, dear God, to see them through your eyes. Help us, dear God, to see them through the lens of your vision tonight. God, as you were moved with compassion when you saw the multitudes there in Matthew 9, help us, oh God, in the same fashion, Lord, to see a lost and dying and suffering world. God, their only hope to, is you tonight. It's not some... Uh, a political party. Dear God, it's not reformation, Lord. It's regeneration that they stand in tremendous need of. And God, I pray, Lord, you to help us as your people. Again, dear God, we can say along with the apostle, uh, Paul, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel that they might be saved. God, help us to feel that way about Conyers, Lord. Help us to feel that way about Grundy County, Tennessee. Help us, oh God, to stir us up and fresh and anew and realize, God, our people may be in depravity and God they may be low in sin tonight and God but you can pull them out you can change their life God you can give them new direction God if you saved us God that you could change them help us tonight dear God uh, I glean some hope out of this text God this portion of scripture you've chosen I pray for my mind tonight God that you would guard it God that you would guide it and God I pray you fill us afresh and anew with thy spirit please oh God help us this evening Lord above our capability Ability, help me to preach the word to be yes and in season, out of season. God will not fail to thank you for what's done. In Jesus' blessed name we pray, amen. I want to go back and say something about this text tonight, if I can, just for a few minutes. And, and uh, this man was told to go and publish in the capitals how great things Jesus had done uh, for him. And looking at that thought, this is just a simple text tonight, just what's on my heart, what God gave me the other day is a testimony from the tombs. A testimony from the tombs. And I want to say this evening, amen, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two and verse number one, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now we were spiritually dead as a hammer spiritually dead, but God raised us up from the dead spiritually, and now we're raised to walk in newness of life. We're, we're here to glorify him. Did not our blessed Savior say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you? No, it's not to glorify you, but it's to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hey, that does not contradict what's going on here in Mark chapter number five, because this man has been told, uh, he has been commanded, he has been issued uh, a responsibility to go back and publish I mean, what great things the Lord hath done for him. I submit to you Psalm 107, verse number two, the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm glad, thank God, we've got something to say. You got anything to say tonight? God done anything for you? 
said, well, he has, but preacher, I'm in a hardship and, and I'm in a trial and, and I understand all that tonight, but I'm telling you, he's still been good to you. And look at it from this perspective. Hey, he's, he trusts you with that. He looks at you and said, you know, I can trust them to go through this. I'm going to pull, and I'll tell you what he will do. He'll pull you closer to himself before it's all said and done. You'll know him in a deeper way than you knew him before you ever got where you're at tonight. Hey, I've been through this thing up and down, round and round, over and over for the last five or six years. Uh, me and my wife, both with health issues. Uh, in this tonight, God in his sovereign mercy and in his grace has pulled us closer to him. Amen, we have a deeper relationship with him and we know him better tonight than what I knew him before. Philippians chapter three, when Paul said that I may know him. Now you, I know Brother Puckett, but I don't know Brother Puckett like his family knows Brother Puckett. I don't know Brother Puckett like this church knows Brother Puckett. And I'll leave here tonight and somebody will say, have you ever met Andy Lockhart or something? You say, yeah, I know him, but you don't know me like my wife knows me. And I'm telling you, there's the intimate relationship we can enjoy with God. You can be just as close to God tonight as you want to be. God's not trying to hold you off. God's not trying to keep you at arm length away. I'm telling you, God committed, hey, I believe this book, it's laying in front of me tonight. And when God said, if I would draw nigh to him, thank God he would draw nigh to me. I believe every word of that, brother. I have no need to discredit that. I have no need to doubt that. I have no need to be discouraged about that. Hey, I can be just as close to him tonight as I want to be. I don't want to start testifying a bunch this evening. I'll be honest with you. I, I believe a preacher, a preacher ought to preach the word, but sometimes he does put testimonies on your heart. And uh, back in 2019, my wife had got septic. Had kidney stone after kidney stone. She's had kidney stone since she's a teenage girl. But it, we got up in the 2018s and 19s, and man, she went to throwing those things left and right. Got a kidney disorder and causes that. And uh, long story short, I, I mean, she had a couple that blocked off both sides. I mean, about killed her. Then she went into sepsis shock and about died. Are you listening to me? And then you say, yeah, but you're a preacher. I'm not exempt from troubles and hardships. Are you kidding me? And sometimes I look at myself when I get the belly aching and slinging snot and uh, crying and, and, and uh, carrying on and murmuring with the Lord and it always comes back to me. I say, why me? Why not me? I mean, am I, am I that special? Am I that too good to have a hardship? Am I too good, preacher, to go through a trouble or go through a trial when my blessed Savior went through everything he went through? I mean, who am I, friend, when Jesus would come to a world that would reject him and scorn him and spit on him and cuss his name? I'm telling you, friend, oh, blessed be his name. I'm not too good to suffer this evening. But God gave me a verse when we was over in the hospital and she was about to die. You did hear me say about to die. She sung tonight. You got that, right? You got that, right? She got up here and sung. They gave her up, said, no hope. If something don't change, she ain't gonna be here. They said she was the worst one, the ICU unit there in Erlanger Hospital in Chattanooga. And my brother-in-law, he, uh, I slept down in the waiting room at night. And he, they was, at that time, they was letting us sleep 
in the ICU units with your family. They got to doing that for a little spell and it didn't last real long. COVID hit and that was the end of that. But, uh, but Luke, my brother-in-law was sitting there and he heard, you know how the, if you've ever been in a hospital, you know they all, there'll be about 10, 12 doctors come around in the morning and uh, about five o'clock or six o'clock and they'll all be gathering up and they'll be discussing things and you got some doctors leading the charge and this and that and giving orders and they said, we're gonna see the worst patient first this morning. That was my wife. About two hours later, they rolled a man out in the room beside her with a sheet over his head. He died. God let her live. I'm telling you, God give us a verse while we was there. And I don't know why in the world I'm trying. I know I'm all over the place and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm telling you, God give me a verse, Psalm 31. My times are in thy hand. I'm telling you, thank God I have rode that thing for the last five, four or five years. I mean, what year? Two, three, four years. I've rode that thing. I mean, every time I feel that we're in a jam or in trouble, I just jump right back in the saddle right there in Psalm 31. My times are in thy hand. Hey, it's good to know tonight that nothing's ever occurred to God. Nothing's ever caught him by surprise. Nothing's ever, I mean, made him nervous. Nothing's ever made him wring his hands. Nothing's ever made him back up and call time out and tell Michael and Gabriel and the archangels and seraphim, hey, we need to discuss what our next move is. Hey, God ain't playing chess tonight. I'm telling you, friend, he's done conquered this thing. Amen, we're on the winning side and we can trust him. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying he's done great things. He's done great things. He's done great things for me and you. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. Done great things for me and you. We've got something to say. Let the redeemed the Lord say so. Whom hath been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Bless his name. We've been redeemed. And our Bible tells us to let us say so. This account, this event is not about uh, as we look at it, and I could go back, and I, I got to throw, I'm just going to throw this in here. But it's not about the swine that drowned. But this account we're reading tonight is about a Savior that delivers and I know they, they begged him, said, get out of our coast. We don't want you here. Man, I want him here, preacher. I need him here. I'm poor and needy, and I need God's help. I need God's help every day. I need God's help when I pillow my head. I need God's help when I rise in the morning. I need God's help when I travel the road. I need God, I'm telling you. I need him. He said, tell them what great things I've done. And uh, I thought about those lepers over there. Brother Blue used to preach that old message out of Second Kings 7. But I do not well if I do not tell. And you know, God had run the Assyrians out and they went in there and found the camp. And they said, well, if we sit here, we're gonna die. If we go in yonder, we're gonna die. But we, hey, we found this great spoil. And you know, we're just not gonna do well if we don't share the tidings, no, tell the tidings of what God has done. And this great spoil we found. Now I'm telling you this thing, man, we got something to tell. Now I don't know what the preacher's preached here the last two nights. I don't know what Brother Puckett, what he's been preaching on lately. He said it right. I didn't come in here with uh, much stuff in my ear. But I'm telling you, hey, there's plenty of people sitting here tonight to go out and win somebody. There's plenty of folks sitting here tonight that can win somebody. Amen. And uh, you know, when you look over in John chapter four, here Jesus says he must needs go through Samaria and he sets on the well. 
And as he's sitting there, here comes out this woman of ill repute and uh, so on and so forth. She comes there and, and uh, she's living with a man that's not her husband. You know the story. And the disciples have gone into town. And you would think if anybody was going to bring a crowd out to where Jesus was sitting on that well, that it would probably be Peter or James. I mean, you'd think maybe John or somebody. But hey, you know who went and brought that crowd in? It was a fresh, brand new convert. She hadn't took soul winning 101. She hadn't been to theological classes. She just went out, man, excited on fire. I mean, burning for God and said, come see a man that took, come see a man. She didn't say, come look at me. She didn't say, come look at this or look at that. She said, come see a man. Hey, we ought to point people to Christ. I'll point people towards him. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. So they started piling out. They come to see him. And I tell you that our family members, they ain't gonna just outright probably tell you that they're tickled to death you witness to them. My brother, before he ever got saved, preacher, he was eight years older than me. He was a great big old man. I'm the runt of the litter. Hey, man, I'm the runt. My brother's about 6'1", weighed 280, and really wasn't heavy, heavy. I'm talking about son, probably wore about a 52 in a coat. My daddy was like that, just a bit. My daddy was huge, broad, shoulder built like a block. And I'm the run, amen. My brother, I'd been saved short time, started witnessing to him. I mean, I, I, I was compelled to witness to him. I was driven to witness to him. I was driven to witness to my mama and my daddy. Is anybody out there? My mama was 56 and my daddy was 60 years old. My daddy had about drunk himself to the ground, about lost the family farm. I remember all those years of struggling watching my mama, amen, sacrifice and do without so she could clothe five or six youngins. Are you listening to me? Some of them got grown, I'm the baby of them. And I watched my mama do without. I know what it's like to grow up in a cuss and a fuss and a fight and a scratch and a dig and a mess. I know what that's, I know what it's like to be raised on a, on a bar stool back in the back room shooting poop while your daddy sits around the bar top. You say, preacher, why would you tell that? Hey, it don't matter how far your family's with. It don't matter how far they're going. I tell you, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's hope. This guy right here, I come through Atlanta. My backslid when I got out of there, Amen. I told the preacher, I was kind of nervous when I finally got out of all that. And I got down the road here a few miles off the exit and I seen a BP where somebody had run plumb through the front of it. I said, I'm feeling pretty home now. This looks like Tennessee right here. That looks like something you find back at the house. But I felt compelled to witness to my brother, my mama and my daddy. And uh, my brother, I remember sitting there preaching, I'll never forget it, he lived in a, Shed my daddy had built out back, and John, he'd, he'd been gone to Knoxville for a while, and uh, he had moved back there, asked daddy if he could come back over, and daddy said, yeah, but you can't come in the house, you're a grown man, the house too small for two grown men, amen. <laughs> my brother was as stubborn as my daddy, and it wouldn't work good with two grown men in the same house like that. That's just how we are, and y'all, y'all work all that out yourself. You have to, I, I ain't preaching, I'm just telling you. It didn't work good for us. And my brother sat there in the yard and cussed me out. Now, I'm not asking for sympathy. 
I tell you right now, I'm not asking for sympathy. But he cussed me out, said, I don't want to hear nothing else about this Jesus stuff. I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing all this about the Bible and so on and so forth. And I'll tell you what God done. He was making a run out on the mid, out west, out toward, uh, out toward uh, the Badlands, out in the Dakotas, and that's the run. He run back and forth on that truck. He was making that run, and God turned that thing over on him upside down, slid it about a quarter mile down the road on its side, him running about 80 miles an hour, one of them gusts come through and caught him. I don't know, about two weeks later, he was sitting in my house where me and my wife lived, hadn't had, didn't have no children yet, weeping in the floor, crawling around like a baby, asking God to forgive him. Are you listening to me? One minute they're cussing you out, but really I'm telling you, it, may, it ain't as far gone as you're probably thinking. They're probably under conviction so bad they can't stand theirself and can't stand you and can't stand the light and can't stand the truth. So when they, when they treat you like that, don't give up hope. Don't, 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 don't throw the towel in on it. Just keep on praying. Keep pushing the plate aside. I begged my mom and daddy. I said, hey, I said, I wish y'all would come to church with me. And when I went to get baptized, I said, oh, fashion Methodist, they did a mercy. Amen. There wasn't nobody sprinkling. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's all right I've shared. He may have to clean something up when I leave. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I begged them to come to church and they finally said, well, you're gonna get baptized and we're, we're, we're tickled to death you're going to church and glad, amen, you, you quit dragging in all hours of the night and glad we know where you're at. Is anybody listening? We're glad we know where you're at when you're, uh, every night now you're at the house sitting around reading the Bible on the back porch. I worked in the foundry pouring iron, but I got saved by the grace of God. And uh, we had pretty good irons at that foundry, and I enjoyed reading the Bible. That's what happens when you get saved. You start desiring the sincere milk of the Word of God. Oh, I delight at that Word as one that findeth grace full. Hallelujah. And they come to church with me when I got baptized. Never missed a service to the day they got saved. Mama got saved at 56 on a Wednesday night. Daddy got saved the following Wednesday night. He was 60. My brother got saved about a year and a half later. You say, what are you saying? I'm telling you, God's done great things for us. But that because he's done them in the past don't mean he's willing to stop. God help us to quit talking about what we used to see and what used to happen and this and that. Can I, can I tell another one here just a bit? Hey, there was a woman I used to witness to her. I preached several members of her family's funerals through the year. Son, hard as a rock, I mean mean as a junkyard dog. Rough, fight a man. I whipped half of them. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you right now, brother. I'm talking about up in the holler tough. Amen. Rough. We were sitting there and I'd witness to her and talk to her and preach her daddy's funeral, preach her mama's funeral, preach somebody else's funeral in that family and just hard as a rock. God, she had a massive stroke, killed her. But she lived for a while before she died. And I got to go in and visit her, man, some of the men from church. We'd go down to the hospital in Huntsville, Alabama and, and visit with her and pray with her and, and so on and try to win her the Lord. And, and uh, she would, never would crack, never would give an inch. And then one day she, she got out of the hospital finally and come, come to live with her sister down uh, off the mountain about an hour away from us. And when I told my wife, I said, man, you was gonna go down and see old Patsy today. Go down and visit her and try to win her the Lord. Walked in that little old apartment. She was watching some old western. <laughs> and, 
I think it had Clint Black or, or whatever, Black, Clint, Clint Walker, that was that guy's name. You'll have to forgive me about Clint Black. Right there. I, hey man, I don't listen to him no more. Let me go ahead and insert that there. Hey man, Clint Walker. And I looked at Patsy and I said, Patsy, I said, if you don't care, and I know, boy, you're, you're treading on thin ice when you do this. I said, Patsy, if you don't care, I said, you care to turn that TV off or I can talk to you? And she turned it off. Now, most people, you know, you're in their home and they're allowed to tell you to get out. She turned the TV off. I said, Patsy, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, you're on your last leg. I said, you're fixed to leave here. You're fixed to leave here. I said, why in the world won't you get saved? And it's it's different than it ever been. I mean, we've done visitor half a dozen times. I'd preach to her two or three times in the funeral. Always give altar calls during the funeral, during the funerals. Try to win them. I mean, man, just try to reach out. Try to win them, man. We we don't know when they're going to go. I don't know when I'm going to go. And she busted out crying, preacher. And she said, I've been too mean. I said, I believe that. (laughs) Amen. I said, I wasn't that bad of it. I said, you've been pretty rough. Her nephew done told me all about her, and I done seen enough out of her. She said, I've been too mean. And I didn't bring my Bible in. And I said, hang on a minute, Pat. I got to run back out the car and get my Bible. I mean, as soon as she said it, God gave me the right verse. And I flipped over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Man, you can believe it. You can go all the way to heaven on it now. Hey, if you're sitting here tonight lost, you can go all the way to heaven on it. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. <laughs> oh, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Paul said, for whom, of whom I'm chief. And I started talking to her a little bit about Paul. And I said, he said he's the worst, he's the, he's the chief. And I said, Patsy, if God could save Paul, he'll save you. Amen. And I mean, she broke broke, squalling, uncontrollable, sling a snot, couldn't even understand nothing she said. She'd had that stroke, it was pretty bad anyway. But I'm just telling you, right there on that bedside, preacher. <laughs> hey, when somebody's in that kind of shape, you ain't got to keep quoting verses. I mean, Brother Allen will tell you, when they're in the birth canal, it ain't going to be long now. I said, let's bow our hearts and our heads. Let's bow our heads, Patsy, and pray. And you pray. I said, don't, don't listen to me pray. I said, you ask God to save you. I tell you, thank God, friend. She got saved by the grace of God. Come to church faithful till she died. I'm telling you, there is hope tonight. There is hope. There is hope. Amen. Let's go back and read the front of it, and I'll quit. I'll, I, I'll quit. And they came, I, I, I didn't read this for sake of time. I've got a lot of things, but God ain't interested in my little piddly outline tonight. I'm going to give you that. They came over, look at verse 1 with me. They came over to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, talking about the Lord Jesus, was coming out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had be often, been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder. 
by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And I, I was coming through Atlanta, I got to look at all them tents. If you ain't careful, you may be like me sometimes, and you'll look at that and you'll say, boy, they're far, they're far out there. They're far gone. Now, I'm, I'm not suggesting the women run down there and start trying to win them. I'm not suggesting that. But I, this, this demoniac, wouldn't he have fit in probably pretty good in one of them places? I mean, wouldn't you think? I don't even know if they'd have had him. What's that place up there in Philadelphia, Kensington Avenue, they, where they shoot up here and, 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 and land on the streets in the broad daylight and dealing dope? And I don't know that they'd have had this fella. I don't know if they'd have had him. This fella's about as far out, far gone. And I guarantee you the religious rabble of the day done probably wrote him off. You know, when I got saved, there's a member of our family, and I don't hold it against him. I realize how bad it was. And I ain't never held it against him. It hurt me when he said it at first, but I don't hold it against him. When I first got saved, I'd been saved about a month, and he told me, he said, I never dreamed you'd have got saved. Now, I wasn't there like this now. <laughs> but I was lost. I was on the way to hell. Somebody said, well, it's deep in sin, but sin's deep in you. It don't matter if you're eight or 80. You've got to be born again. And you can wear a dress and you can quote verses in Sunday school and you can wear, you can win, wear ribbons and get treats and suckers and snacks and all the trimmings. But I'm telling you, you gotta be born again. Listen to me, young people. I'm your friend, you gotta be saved. You can't go to heaven on what mom and daddy's doing. You can't go to heaven because you're a good man of God because your pastor's saved. You gotta realize you're a sinner in need of salvation and you ask God to save you and forgive you of your sin. So here he is and, and, and he's in a, in a horrible shape and always, this, just, this wasn't a common occurrence. This, this wasn't just, amen, every now and then, uh, maybe every few years and always, night and day. I mean, this man is literally, physically, no rest in his life. Devil's doing everything in the world to destroy him. He was in the mountains and in the tombs just back and forth, mountains, tombs, mountains, tombs, hollers and hills, valleys and vales. What was he doing? Crying. Crying. Maybe he wanted to, uh, no doubt he probably wanted freedom. He wanted deliverance. But the route that this, all this crowd's been taking ain't going to help him one iota. It's not going to help him one bit crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar uh, off, we see his reaction. He ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God, thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Man, this guy's got a lot of problems. 
I'm talking about his life is saturated with troubles. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. And there, now let me slow down. Now there was there nine as mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. The unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. They that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. And I love this. You read Luke's account, Luke 8, he's sitting, at, it tells you where he's sitting, at the feet of Jesus. But he's sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I ain't gonna take time to enlarge on all this. I've done preach too long. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told it them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and, concern, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Man, it sounds like America, don't it? Don't want nothing to do with Jesus. And I love America. I'd fight for it tonight. I'm telling you right now, I, I would fight for it. I'd fight for our freedom. I tell you, our country, a, a large portion and, and certain ones have turned their back on God and spit in his face. They don't want his commandments. They don't want his name mentioned. They don't want nothing said about prayer. And I tell you, when they begged him and beseeched him to depart out of their coast, he left. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil, I like that, had been. Hey, I'm telling you, he'll make a difference. Prayed him that he might be with him. I bet Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell him how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And the Bible tells us he done that. What great things has he done for you? I'm just going to give you the, the, the bare thoughts and I'm going to close. This might have been what he said. I was wicked when he came to me. Do you remember when Jesus, do you remember when God come to you? Do you remember the Holy Ghost amen, drawed you and began to convict you and convince you of sin? Then why would we think it's a hard thing for him to do that with our family? I mean, I know, hey, but I've had some people in my family that's bad off, but I ain't never had nobody as far bad off as this man. I was wicked and he came to me. I was wild, but he changed me. I was wasting away, but he cared. I was warped, but he had compassion on me. I was in a whirlwind, but he brought me into a calm. And I was wrecking my life, but he came and he brought clarity, clearness, and purpose into my life. That's where we was all at. Tell me what great things he's done for you. Man, let me tell you what he's done. I was wild, but he changed me. I was wicked, but he came to me. I was warped, but he put a calm in my life. I was a wreck. But when I met him, he brought clarity and clearness into my life. My life was a whirlwind. Night and day, mountains and tombs, crying and cutting. Now here I am sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in my right mind. And then he went out and became an evangelist. 
Somebody said it went from vandalism to evangelism. Y'all probably heard that, amen. <laughs> what your lost people mean to you this evening? What do they mean to you? What your neighbors mean to you? What your coworkers mean to you? When's the last time you brought somebody to church with you? When's the last time you brought somebody? When's the last time you passed out a gospel track and said, hey, man, get, read this if you get it. Ma'am, would you read this if you get an opportunity? I got, I got to go. I, I mean, I'm heading out, but would you read? I want to leave something with you. Here's your gospel track. Here's your track to read. Won't you come to church with me? Listen, if we could ever get back to the place where Jeremiah was at in chapter number nine, when he said, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. When's the last time you wept over a sinner? When's the last time I wept over somebody? When's the last time there was a hot pool of tears laying on the altar because your sister's unsaved? Their home's a nightmare. I ain't never seen so many struggling families in my life, preacher. And, and, and we know what the answer is. We know what the answer is. It's the Lord. Man, he can straighten out their homes. He can save our nieces. When's the well, hey, have you got a nephew that's raising, been raised in a mess? There's a, there's a good evangelist around our part of the woods, Brother Jimmy Moyes. I don't know if you know Brother Moyes. But Brother Jimmy... Years ago, he's raised in a mess. And I'm telling you, his daddy hates him. He preached his brother's funeral a few years ago after his brother killed himself, and they, they all tried to attack Brother Jimmy when he got done. He's a good man. He's a humble man of God. He's not combative. But Jimmy had an uncle when he was about three or four years old. Seen him out in the yard. He couldn't take it no more. He said, I'm taking that boy home with me. And he raised that boy in church. Raised him around the things of God. No, Jimmy got saved. Now he's one of the best evangelists in our area in Middle Tennessee because he had an uncle that cared. Because he had a family member that didn't want to see him go down the same. Hey, and the rest of them that stayed in that, it's a mess. But thank God he had an uncle that said, Hey, I love my little nephew. I can't leave him in this mess. I can't leave him in this mess. Amen. Preacher, come on, I'm done. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you.